Hello and welcome to the broadcast. This is a ministry of North Harford Baptist Church in Jarrettsville, Maryland. Visit us online at northharford.org. Week 12, Introduction to Christian Obedience. I've broken down this year into four general sections. Prayer, obedience, and then sanctification, which is related to obedience, but that puts the emphasis more on how God is the one who does it. And then assurance, having the assurance of faith that we know because of Jesus Christ, we are children of God. That is foundational for living the Christian life. But today we begin the section on obedience, week 12, introduction to Christian obedience. And you'll see the first question, what else, in addition to prayer, do we devote our lives to as children of God? We devote our lives to obedience. I'm going to read these passages, and I'll give you what I think is a really good illustration for that. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The very beginning of verse 20 is what we're highlighting teaching them to observe, or teaching them to follow, or teaching them to do, or teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. What's that talking about? Obedience. In Acts 5, 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Obedience. I love that verse. It's a great verse to bury in our hearts to help us make decisions in life. We must obey God rather than men. A good illustration to understand prayer and obedience is to understand a young child in relation to their parents. What are some of the most basic, simple things that a child does? Well, one of the things, if they need help, they go ask their parents for help. I need this. I need that. I hurt my foot. I'm hungry. That represents prayer. That's what we do With God, we need help, we go to God and ask for help. And another thing a child does is obey their parents, right? They obey their parents. What they say is the rule, not what the child says is the rule. So prayer and obedience, one of the ways you can think about it is just by thinking about a child, because we are children of God. That's why we pray, and that's why we obey. Now, the second question is, what is obedience? And there's a typographical error in the answer to this. But I trust that you'll be able to figure it out. What is obedience? Obedience is, that's the word that's missing. See, it's the answer to the second question. Obedience is doing what God commands and avoiding what God forbids. James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And that makes sense, right? If you listen to what your teacher says, but then completely ignore it and don't do what they say, that's disobedience. If uh, a football player listens to what the coach says, but then doesn't do it on the field, that's not obedience. You can think of a soldier in an army. If they listen to what the captain says, but then completely does their own thing, that's disobedience. As children of God, we hear his word and then we do it. We put it into practice. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. God's law is one of the ways of talking about God's commands or God's word to us. And in Psalm 1, 1 and 2, you see the contrast between you can be, you can lead your life based on what other people are doing, based on uh, what unbelievers are saying, based on what the world is saying, or based on God's word. What is obedience? It's very simple, just doing what God commands and not doing the things he forbids. What motivates true obedience? Now, these are shorter because they are review. These things we covered in the first section of the catechism earlier in the year. But the cross references are there for you to look up in parentheses. What motivates true obedience? Love for Jesus and gratitude for forgiveness motivates us to follow God's commands. Obedience begins in the heart. So very important. We don't ever want to become a person or people who are just doing the outward things of religion. Obedience begins in the heart. We love God. We're thankful to God that he's forgiven our sins. That is what motivates our obedience. What enables true obedience? If we're going to obey God, we have to be able to do that. What enables true obedience? The gospel. There's your cross-reference for you to study on your own. And the power of the Holy Spirit enable us to follow God's commands. Obedience comes from God's grace and God's power. Obedience comes from God, not from ourselves. And if you look closely at that answer, what enables true obedience, you see two aspects. Number one is the gospel. And number two is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the gospel? It's a message. It's a message about what Jesus did to save us. So you can think of the message as something that's outside of you, right? It's a message, and it comes to you. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, that changes our hearts to be able to obey God. So you see something outside of us, the gospel message, and something inside of us, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we'll obey God. The only way. There is no power within ourselves that we can harness to obey God. Now flip the page over. This probably should be its own week, and maybe next year it will. But it's definitely important to emphasize at some point. Does our obedience help save us? Not one bit. And I think that may be the first time I've used an exclamation point in the catechism. Not one bit! <laughs> obedience comes after faith. Faith creates obedience. So we are saved by grace, and then we obey God in our lives. We do not figure out a way to obey him, and then God saves us. Does that make sense? It's so important. It's like being a child. Right? You can't obey your parents until you're actually born and become a child. Right Before that, obedience doesn't even make sense. How can a person who doesn't exist obey? We become children of God by God's grace, and then we can obey. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Crystal clear, right? It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. Uh, boast means brag or be arrogant about it. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Probably the clearest passage. This is you're saved, and then you can do good works. You're saved by grace, and then you can walk in obedience. But then there are cross-references there, a bunch of them for you to look up. Our obedience will always be imperfect and incomplete. Always. Until we die and go to heaven. But by God's grace, we do have a true obedience as we walk by faith in Jesus Christ. Does, do saved people live in disobedience? This is the last question. It's related to that. But do saved people live in disobedience? Because one of the things people will say once they hear that our obedience doesn't help save us is this. One of the things people will say is, oh, say then it doesn't matter how we live. It doesn't matter if we live in disobedience. We're saved by grace. We're not saved by our obedience. We're not saved by works. Therefore, we can live however we want. But the Bible doesn't teach that. Do saved people live in disobedience? Never. That's exclamation point. Two exclamation points in one day. For the same reason. For the same reason that was given for the last question. Faith creates obedience. Obedience comes after faith. That's a biblical truth. A biblical fact. Now, faith really does create obedience. We're not saying that maybe it does. We're saying that it does. Obedience really does come after faith. We're not saying just maybe. We're saying that it does. Because salvation is a supernatural work of God. It changes our hearts. It changes us. It changes the way we live. So yes, we're saved and then we obey. And two, oh no, I was going to give you two cross-references here. It looks like I just gave you the one from James and then some more in parentheses. James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Right? He says he has faith, but you look at his life and he's not living it out. He doesn't have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, and lacking in daily food. And one of you says to them. Go in peace. Be warmed and well filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? And what's the answer to that question? It's no good. You should have helped them. You should have given them food. You should have taken care of them. Don't just with your words. Say something good and nice. Put it into action. And verse 17. So also faith by itself. If it does not have works is dead which means it's not real it's not there it's fake we will always now this is important too we will always have a measure of disobedience in our hearts and lives as long as we're on this earth we'll always have sin within us and sin in our lives and sin in our words right do we know this we will always have a measure of disobedience in our hearts and lives so we're not saying that if you commit a sin, you're not saved. We're not saying that. But by God's grace, we are grieved by our sin. We seek to repent of our sin. And we are restored by God when entrapped in sin. As Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters. Luke 16, 13. A person cannot live as a servant of Jesus and as a servant of sin. He can serve one or the other, but not both. So what we're saying is, if you're saved, you don't give your life over to sin and not care about it and not repent 
and never be restored to obedience. And we're not saying that if you're saved, you never commit sins. Of course we commit sins. We commit sins all the time in our heart, mind, words, and actions. But we don't give ourselves over as slaves to sin and then just forget about repenting and obeying God. So obedience, this is the first one. For This will be the spring. Spring is given to obedience. What is obedience? It's obeying God's commands. And next week we start into, obviously you should be able to guess this, what are those commands? Right? What are those commands? We'll begin next week. All right, let's pray.